0: Welcome to Real Estate Unscripted, where each week we connect no-nonsense, let's-get-it-done realtors and lenders from across the country who want to grow our businesses and stay motivated with timely topics and experts in our field. I'm your host, Marjorie Adam. Let's get started. Welcome to Real Estate Unscripted. I am beyond excited to have the Yoda of real estate for me. Jonathan Kaufman, say hi, Jonathan. Hello.
1: Thank you for having me. You are very welcome.
0: Thank you for fitting me into your very busy schedule. Always. Okay. So, Jonathan. So, long history with Jonathan. He is the founder of Nest Realty. He is not a big title guy, no ego in this man whatsoever. So, like, I had to have him tell me again to call him founder, but longtime realtor friend. I've known Jonathan for, I don't know, at least 20 some years. He's got a great story, but a great vision. So, I think if any of you need more clarity and keeping yourself on track and vision, Jonathan knows his stuff. So, let's get into it. So, Jonathan is in Charlottesville, Virginia, which is where I am. And let's talk about. About what got you into real estate?
1: Sure. So I graduated from University of Virginia and fell into a sales and marketing position in a startup company and did sales marketing operations for a couple of years and was traveling four or five days a week, newly married, and just realized this is probably not something for my lifestyle I wanted to sustain. So I stopped traveling and started flipping properties in Charlottesville and did that for a couple months. And the funny story is one of our existing realtors was my realtor at the time and was at a party and was talking to him about a new kind of dive property that just came in the market. And I said, can you show it to me tomorrow? And he very nicely said go get your bleeping license.
0: That's very Bob too. So we all love Bob. Bob is one of the best things about Bob. And we'll definitely interview him one time is he's super blunt, super honest, just really clear, says what he thinks. There is no like, I wonder what he really thinks.
1: So yeah, so that was motivation for me. I got my license with the expectation that it would be to help me get into properties quicker. The market was hot back in the early 2000s and eventually morphed into selling real estate and sold real estate probably within three or four months to get my license, I was almost full-time into real estate. So I kind of backed into it, but it was a great opportunity and glad that it happened.
0: And you were on a new construction sales team, right? So that was kind of your start within a company. You know, within a
1: couple of months, I was on a new construction sales team. And so I was doing general real estate in and around Charlottesville and Albemarle County, and was also spending about half my time in a new construction sales team that had a big developer and six or seven builders in a new big community. And so I was able to dip my toes into The resale world and the listing side world from resales and buyer side for resales, but also working with the developer and builders on new construction, pre-sales and specs and things like that.
0: How long were you on there until you thought,
1: hmm... You know, it was probably about three, four years that I kind of did that. And then, you know, late 2007, early 2008, started getting my feet under me more, understanding more about the business. The real estate world was changing, right? To use a cliche and we're dating ourselves here, but listings were coming online and clients were finding out about properties. Maybe sometimes before we did, there was no more MLS books. And
0: oh, things like don't that. you miss the book? I'm oh, sorry, you can't have the book, but I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. But don't tell anyone, but bring the book back tomorrow.
1: So Yeah, yeah right. So things were becoming more transparent and and the world was sort of changing. And so I saw things changing and was working with a great brokerage at the time but just said that there's got to be a better way with this brokerage agent relationship. It was not existing. And actually, I will tell you a story that I'm not sure if I've told you before. I actually put together what I call joke and called my Jerry Maguire manifesto, oh. which was the nest business plan. And I put it together and I went to Kinko's and I got it bound and there was a clear cover on it. And it was amazing. And I gave it to some leadership at the firm I was with and it was crickets. Oh. I heard nothing back. And this was like a 30 page document. The world was changing and the internet and Design and customer experience were becoming more important, and so it's fun. Like it didn't resonate with them, and so that was a little bit of a, more of an impetus, like kicking the tail of like if you believe in this, and I did, you got to go do it yourself.
0: Yes, I mean again, not to look backwards, but a lot of them must have been like, dang, I should have listened. But I think it's the vision, right? You right. had a very clear vision. Their vision was different. I also think this was back in the time, and times have changed. Also, real estate, not only with technology, but it used to be big box firm, right? Three, four, five hundred four, 500 agents, everyone got the same split. And obviously things were evolving very much and that company really wasn't ready to evolve. And it, it, sure. they suffered because of it ultimately- because times change faster than they do. But if we think about it, this worked for us and I'm unwilling or unable to say, hey, the world is changing more quickly than I am. So I really think-
1: is inevitable. Right.
0: They weren't ready to adapt.
1: Sometimes, I think this is one of the things that's made us successful at Nest. And that actually makes you and your team successful is you don't get your feet stuck in the mud. Like you've got to be nimble. You can't be a squirrel and always be going after the new thing, but you've got to be nimble and kind of paying attention to the landscape out there and making some changes shifting along the way. And change is hard, especially the bigger you are, the harder it is to change, especially when it's not baked into your culture. And we've tried our best over the years to kind of bake change into the culture. And it's hard to let now over 500 realtors know that something is changing, but it's people aren't surprised by it. It's not out of the blue, but you've got to kind of find that balance between too much change and enough change to keep you on the bleeding edge.
0: But you can't get stuck in what worked five years ago, because I think that's the problem. Things work really well year by year. And then all of a sudden, one year, it just didn't. And it's really because you didn't see three years backwards. Right. It was already changing. Yeah. So that is the hardest as we're really good at a niche or we're really good at something. And we're not paying attention to that technology that changed or that the market as a whole,
1: the demographic changed okay. or whatever it may be. Yeah. Right? Bill Gates has a great quote that success is a lousy teacher. Yes, that's, that's a good one. I'm successful, so I'm just going to keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. You've got to reanalyze on a regular basis yeah. to make sure that you're staying ahead of the curve.
0: That's a good one. So you have a background in marketing and design. You saw an opportunity. You knew you wanted to start a company, right? But you didn't know the name. I love the name story. So Nest yeah. Realty, which now seems like, well, of course, right? Nest Realty. But right. talk about that little journey. You sure.
1: So I knew I wanted to start a brokerage, like you said, and this was probably planning in mid 2008. The planning was in process. I was still selling real estate, but nights and weekends I was doing planning for Nest and I had a lot of things behind the scenes going on, but I couldn't figure out a name. I wanted a name that was different and that was unique. And that when we kind of jumped out from behind the curtain and made our announcement, people would at least look at us and say, huh, curious, what's different? Like I want to learn more about it. And so I didn't want to be Kaufman, my last name. I wanted something that was different. So, you know, I was struggling with this for a couple of months because you think like, oh, the name is so important and it is important. And so one night, my oldest son and only child at the time was a couple of years old and I was reading him a book and it was some sort of animal kid's book. And the word nest just kept coming up over and over and over again. And I put the book down and put him to sleep and came in and kind of went in with a light bulb moment to my wife is like, I got it, Nest Realty. And she said, I like it. And so I said, I'm going to test it out with a couple people tomorrow. (laughs) So I made three phone calls the next day to people that I trusted that were family and people that were in marketing. And I said, hey, confidentially, I'm starting a company, but what do you think of this name, Nest Realty? And all three of them had the same immediate response of, I hate it. And to me, that was the reaction. I needed a bold reaction. And that was what I wanted. So I said, we're doing this.
0: Most people, three people say, I hate it. You're like, oh, you're right. It's terrible. Yeah. You were like, oh, good. Yeah. That's fine. I still right. love it. So you stay true to your vision. Yeah, and
1: sometimes like I think that if something doesn't create an emotion, even if it doesn't create a good or a bad emotion, it's like blah and average. Right? You don't want to start a restaurant that's average. And somebody comes in, it's like, oh, yeah, I'll give this a three and a half stars. Like, keep at it. Yeah. Right. You want something that, you know, maybe it doesn't appeal to everybody, but it appeals to the right people. I don't think,
0: does anything, though, appeal no, to everyone? Because you, you think, like, even Disney World, which in theory is like right. the happiest place on earth. Right. So I like it. My husband's like, nah. So right. there are people that that is hell on earth. Right. So I don't care whether it's a vegetable, but you know, <laughs> chocolate. A... Yeah. We're healthy eating. It's all good. Love the vegetables. But no one is ever going to love something. So isn't it like trying to appeal to everyone means you can peel to no one? Nobody. So, but I love that you stuck with it when everyone was like, yeah. and you said, great, that's nest. This. It is. Yeah, so do this. you created nest. So I want to kind of highlight a couple things because I think people think, Ooh, brokerage sounds great. I should do that. So I wanted to get into a couple of the like things that people think that aren't exactly accurate. So I'm going to start. So you can tell me if this is a do or a don't, I'm going to start a brokerage because I am going to save a lot more money.
1: No, that's not the case. And I think anytime you do something just to save money, it, probably isn't the right decision, right? Especially we want to focus on quality, but starting a new brokerage is definitely kind of a full immersive venture, right? There's over a hundred thousand brokerages in the country right now. When we started Ness, there was 80,000, right? So there's more and more brokerages and different brokerages appeal to different people. Different colors of the rainbow appeal to different people, right? So starting a brokerage is not something you want to do if you're trying to save... Ten or fifteen thousand dollars, right? There's yep. probably better ways to do that than than start a, a company. Maybe sell a couple yeah, more houses. Yeah, maybe. focus on that. Yeah. Okay,
0: save more time. Gosh, I'm going to have so much more time if I start my own brokerage.
1: No, not at all. If you're thinking about starting a brokerage and you have a vision for it, there needs to be a points of differentiation. There needs to be why am I doing this. And anytime you're trying to differentiate from a hundred thousand other businesses, right? You've either got to differentiate on price or experience or marketing or location or something, right? And whatever you differentiate on, got to go in and focus on that. And that takes time, right? It takes time from either me or it takes time from hiring people or investing in third parties to help you with that.
0: I think also like if you're going to be a broker, you also have to be a leader. Right. So to me, I have to be able to come to my broker. I have to be able to rely on that. And I also have to have the time and the capacity to dedicate that time. Right. Absolutely. So I think that if you don't have strong leadership skills and you're not a good people manager and starting with yourself, that's not a great idea because right. it's going to be a nightmare.
1: Right. And, and as a realtor, we all know this that everybody thinks, oh, you manage your own time and <laughs> things That where clients are calling you on a regular basis. Right. We know that a client can call you at eight o'clock on a Saturday or 7 a.m. on a Sunday morning. And within reason, right? You need to either answer or get back to them pretty quickly. It's the same with running a brokerage, not in a bad way, but agents are oh, out there selling houses. You and calling. Can, on you can say it nicely.
0: Basis. I'd be like, it's hurting cats, right? And so to have a bunch of cats that are like what? over here and, <laughs> and do it this way, I think would literally, I'm already a bit of a squirrel. It would send me into orbit.
1: Well, right? fortunately we have amazing cats.
0: You do. You do, we but do. still, it's still a and lot of cats.
1: Curious, we feel as though we've like Curated the right cats to come in. And the
0: litter boxes are clean. (laughs) Always. (laughs) Always <laughs> still, what people don't realize is look, you not only have strong leadership skills, I also have to have organizational skills. I mean, you've got to manage escrow deposits, you've got to follow yeah. transactions, you've got to have their employment contracts, even like whatever it is, their independent contractor it. agreements. Shears yeah. a good hint. If you don't have your own systems in place for contract to close and you don't intake, if you don't have a groundhog day business, you sure cannot be starting a brokerage. Right. If you're not managing your own money well as well, forget about it. Yeah. But I think everyone thinks about, it, and I'm not saying don't do it. So I'm not here to say, but I do think it's, look, this is my vision. This is different than the visions that are there. I'm going to go all in. This is how it's going to work. I've got the financial set. I know the leadership and team I'm going to have. Sure. I think you're lot- changing
1: jobs. Yeah. Totally. I mean, what a realtor does or a team leader does on a daily basis is drastically different than what a managing broker principal broker, owner, whatever state you're in, brokerage owner does on a daily basis. Yes, there are some similar skills, right? And similar things that you're doing, and you need to understand contracts, and you need to understand what an escrow deposit is, and you need to understand the market, right? But it's a totally different job. So as long as you understand to a certain extent and are excited about that, and there's a differentiation and an opportunity for you, and you're totally passionate about changing jobs, then great, go for it. Because I think there is opportunity, even if there being all those brokerages in the country, there still is opportunity out there for differentiation and uniqueness.
0: I think really if someone says, because I'll make more money, I think systematizing your business for your production, sales is the way you make more money. So ultimately, the more you sell, and again, I don't mean you got to sell a hundred million units. That's never been my goal. But if you sell 10 and you say, I'd like to save more money, then sell 15 yeah. and then don't spend it. Right. So I think there are other ways that people think my quick bounce to income is to hold a brokerage. And that would not be my message to you. So I mean, this has grown quite a bit. You have a lot of agents under you. So I think it's something that some people think about. And I think if it's a big picture vision, then really having also people that you can talk to and get advice from. The do's and don'ts are important, right? So I think that's one thing with talking to you because you have taken like you flipping houses to being an agent to this pretty big... Nest concept that someone needs to understand all the steps in the middle too. Absolutely. I think everyone misses the 100 hour weeks and the years of work and the frustrations and expenses and building a team. And so that's all a huge part of it as well that you have those skill sets or have hired to them right. that have enabled you to do this.
1: Yeah, I think, look, there's always opportunities to improve. And so I'm not saying that I'm great or perfect at what I do, but one of the things that's really helped me over the years is that I have done almost Every job, right? I've been in the trenches selling real estate. I've processed commission checks and escrow deposits. I have been the director of marketing. I've been head of accounting, not great at that. You know, I've done copywriting. I've done all these things. And so I understand to a certain extent. And now as we've grown, I've been able to hire people who can specialize in yes. that, and that are much better at me than that. So yes, in the early days, I do remember being in the office on a Friday night at 10 o'clock, cleaning the bathrooms and mopping the floors and then cleaning up from that and going and handwriting commission checks, right? Super For- sexy. So sexy.
0: But I also think, look, what makes ultimately if someone says I want to have a team, a successful team leader to me is also someone who you've done all those things. I'm 27 years in and people are like, Oh, you now have 14 members. Uh-huh. Yeah. But for many, many years, it was me selling 30 or 40 a year or whatever the number yeah. was at that time. And I did everything, right? So yes, I turned in the contracts and I wrote the contracts and I ordered the termite inspections and I put the sign in the yard and at some point took pictures. I was super proud of that because yeah. one hour photo I did color photos (laughs) stuck on a piece of paper. It was very high tech, but I did all that. So I was able then to turn those into systems to replicate and to specialize team members. So like you said, you were good at many of those things or not good. Like leadership has been my thing, right? I did them. I was not a good leader.
1: Not completely competent at varying levels, but I did them. Because look, sometimes in the beginning, when you're starting something, you're growing something... You just have to get it done and you maybe don't have the resources, the money in this instance to hire people to do it. So I knew the first thing I needed to do was offload accounting. And then I offloaded the director of marketing responsibilities and the answering phones and like things like that. But you do it for a while, you understand. And then you can, within reason, systematize and train, train and lead. Yeah. lead someone. And then
0: they can figure out maybe a better system, sure. but what must be done. Right. So so let's talk about some skill sets. So let's take it back down to I'm a realtor and not in a bad way, but like I'm a realtor, lenders are listening too. So lenders, when you hear this also, this isn't just, oh, it's just for realtors. Any of this stuff, you might want to run your own branch. You might, this is the same thing. And the skill sets are obviously the same thing. So the, the one that's clear and stands out for me is vision right So you obviously clear strong vision not saying you haven't had change vision that some of the visions haven't worked. I'm not saying you're Nostradamus like we said, but you had a clear vision and goals. So let's talk about your vision planning goal setting some things that work
1: for you. Yeah. so I think goal setting and planning and vision is probably different for everybody. For me, I'm self-motivated right? And so the vision from my standpoint, and I hold myself accountable and I put a lot of pressure on myself. So setting the vision for the future, it wasn't a good idea for me. And I would argue that it probably isn't for most people to set a at the very beginning, a five or a 10-year plan. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is because if you set a 10-year plan of, I'm one realtor right now, or I'm five realtors right now, and I want to grow to 500 or 1,000, you feel like you're never making any progress, right? You add one or two agents, and it's like you're not making any progress. So I think I use this term goal laddering. It's like you just kind of set steps and kind of slowly build. And it's okay to have a general vision for the future, but setting these achievable goals, and whether they're monthly or quarterly or yearly, or maybe even a little further than that is okay and great to do that. Because A, you feel a sense of accomplishment and B, you need to stay nimble. Because if if you set a goal at the beginning of, I want to get to 500 agents and you just say, I'm going, right? And I don't like to just set numbers just because, and we can talk about that too. Setting those goals is things change along the way, right? You realize. And one of the goals that we set at the beginning, and, and it was a small, achievable goal but it was still a big goal for us as we said we want to get to 10 amazing agents in charlottesville and become the most trusted brand in charlottesville and we wanted that and we realized when we got to that 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 was not a sustainable business model like from a broker just like 10 agents in a relatively small town usa is not something that's going to feed us from a financial standpoint and allow us to give our agents and provide our agents the value that we wanted to give there just is not enough revenue right you can only charge but so much and you can only create so much revenue and there's only so much revenue to give back to the agents so we wanted to give all these things back technology and marketing and you do amazing websites and support and things like that and it's just wasn't sustainable so it was great to kind of set that goal and reach it but then we needed to kind of think differently about what's the next step and what what do we need to do? One of the visions really was to provide amazing service and support to agents, like I said, through design and marketing and experience support and all the things. And so part of it was like, we want to provide all this. What do we need to do to get to that level that we've got the resources to provide those? And then things kind of like in a good way, slowly snowballed from there, from a growth perspective.
0: So being a realtor that has a team and provides a lot of the things that you do. I mean, I'm just being super honest. At first I was like, hey, stop it, right? Because all of these things that differentiated us, you offer to your realtors like marketing plans and birthday programs and anniversary. I mean, the things that Nest provides is pretty amazing as a brokerage, quite frankly, for the fees we pay as well. So I think that your vision has definitely been amazing in what you provide. That you can take a realtor who's six months in and a one-person team, let's call it, and then someone with a 10-person team, and and that person, that's one person who maybe new has the capacity to do what they could never do on their own because
1: there's no way they could implement it all. Yeah. So I think- There's got to be- value, right? I think this came from me being in the trenches and realizing, and look, not to knock anybody, but at at the very beginning, I created my own listing presentation. It was terrible. I created my own brochures, right? From the ground up. Me too. Terrible, right? All these type of things that I did that I felt as though this could be a, a value that the brokerage could bring. And Give opportunities to personalize, right? Because you got an agent, it's got to be unique, no matter how many other agents are in the brokerage. If every agent in the brokerage is running around with the exact same pieces, right, at a certain point in time, it cannibalizes or it dilutes themselves. So there's got to be personalization in there. But this is the whole thing we look at the brokerage agent relationship as a partnership, right? We want to provide real value, and value is a big. Word for us, real value. We're provide a trusted brand, real value that helps an agent grow their business, and in return, they can help us build that trust on a local level. That's the value yeah. the agent brings back to us. Is like providing great experience, and when somebody hears Nest Realty, there's a smile, right? And somebody's like, "Oh, it's a great brokerage, and you've got great agents there." That's what makes me smile, and what gets me really excited.
0: Yeah, lenders, listen in. This is you too, because we got Yoda here. So. Tell me about your algorithm for repeat and referral business.
1: Yeah. So it comes into three parts, like these three C's. One is, and the baseline, you've got to be competent. You've got to know what you're doing. You've got to know the contract and the forms and the market, and you've got to help somebody through a buy side or a list side and do a great job for them. So that's like the first C is competent. The second C is after the transaction, you've got to communicate with them on a regular basis. And there could be a million ways to do that. You could communicate with them through social media. You could call, you could do direct mail, right? A lot of things. So you've got to communicate on a regular basis. And the third is, I really strongly believe that you've got to build a community with your clients. So no matter if you're a brokerage or you're an agent or you're a team or you're a lender, having your clients know that other people are making the same decision of working with Marjorie Adam or working with ABC Brokerage is very important. And so the kind of the metaphor that I use is if you, if, let's say you move to a new town and you stumble across kind of this neighborhood restaurant and you go there and it is out, your absolute favorite restaurant and you go there every Friday night and you talk about it with your family and you're so excited to go. But every time you go in there, it's empty except for you. At a certain point in time, you're going to think, what does everybody else know that I don't know? Right? So letting your clients know, and I'm not a big like pound the chest guy and that's just my personality. But letting your clients know that other people are making the same decision to work with the Marjorie Adam team. And that can be through signs in the yard. That can be through testimonials. A great way, even though it takes a lot of work, is events, like getting people in the same room that can look around and say, oh my gosh, there's 40 or 50 people or more, 100 people that all work with Marjorie. And that kind of makes me feel better that I work with Marjorie and that I wasn't the only one that had a great experience. So I'm more like, likely to refer. I'm more likely to use you again. So that sense of community is really important.
0: I Um, totally agree. And I think community is community with your clients, but community is also being involved in your community. So it's that community of clients. So I call my tribe, right? So my tribe. So I've got my community with my past clients. I've got my community with my business partners and people I'm super tight with and business leaders across the country. But then I have my boards that I joined and belong to in the organizations I'm involved with in the community. And then I would argue being in the office Is my community. My team is my community. Right. So I think that the more community you have around you in different ways, the more successful you are.
1: Right. Nobody's building a successful real estate brokerage on an island. Except for it would be really real estate, nice. in the Bahamas, maybe.
0: So, did you all hear this? Nest Jonathan's buying an island. <laughs> <laughs> if you come to Nest, you get. I would love an island because sometimes it's high D's, but you're not a lot of I. Being on an island alone is not so bad.
1: Not so bad. I yes. think it's probably going to an island by yourself is probably good to a certain extent for everybody.
0: Well, not for your business. Not for your. But business. for your psyche, right? Yes. But I just think yeah. Recharge. Thank you yeah. sending me to an island. I love that. So I also want you, as we're still in this, as we're going to move on to. The next thing, but tell me the 90, 74, 20 numbers.
1: So my favorite numbers in real estate, I'm a stats guy and I love baseball. So most baseball nerds pay attention to numbers. You can understand that. So 90 is after a closing, 90% of buyers say that they'll work with their agent again, which is they're happy. Phenomenal. They use their agent. They're happy with the agent 90% of the time. 74, 74% of realtors never follow up with their clients after closing. Never right? It's crazy. So what happens? 20. 20% of those buyers actually use that same agent again. And so the big key going back to the second C that I talked about is communicate, right? Communicate and also the community aspect of it is you've got to communicate with your clients. And if you don't communicate with your clients, you're going to get that, whatever you want to call it, breakage from a extremely happy client all the way down to gosh, I've got a 20% repeat and referral business rate, which is not good. No. And look, I'll say this too: this one other point is like, when I got into the business 20 years ago, the average homeowner moved every five to seven years, which just kind of the way the world works. And I don't know if this is going to hold true and I've seen different numbers, but in 2023, they say the average buyer is going to move somewhere in the every 13 to 17 years. So in reality, that 90% to 20%, if you don't communicate with somebody, it probably 90% to 2%. Yep. Uh, And also it's going to be more expensive to stay in touch with your clients because you've got to stay in touch with them longer, right? For them to use you, but we can get into referral business and things like that. Like staying in touch with clients isn't just repeat business, it's referral business. So yeah, I mean, it's so important. Promote Self-promotion, however you want to do it, however fits with your personality is vital to the long-term success of your business, in my opinion.
0: Agreed. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And leading into that then is being clear on your finances. So yes. I see this because coaching realtors across the country for many years. So lenders, you're a little better at this most of the time, not all of you, but because realtors, number one, it's, oh, well, I have this great business. I can work when I want and I run my business. And by the way, nobody takes out my taxes. And so all my money is spent. And I think we just weren't taught. There was never a high school or college class unless you're a finance major. And I'm not even sure you learn personal budgeting, but there was never the lesson of money. And so almost everyone I coach when I get into them has IRS debt. I mean, if I coach 12 people, 10 of them, I mean, really it's that much most of the time. So it is because we don't manage our finances because one, we don't really want to think about it. Or because we're commission-based, it's like, oh, look, I made... $10,000 this month, but I'm going to make nothing the next two months. And then I make $20,000 and I think, woo, but I'm now behind. So I think it's that monthly paying attention of one, your clear personal budget at home, your business budget, which helps you with your communication, right? So, Hey, I want to have this massive event. I don't have the money right now. I got to do a smaller event. So planning, but I do think the biggest thing is realtors, especially in their finances, because ultimately we don't want to be 95 years old and not retire. And so we are one of the highest income producers group of people who have the least savings because there was no planning. So I would say the biggest thing too is, and I believe me, I am the pot calling the kettle black. Like I got into the cord with 140,000 in total debt. Much of that was business debt because the market was tanking, but it was IRS debt that of course, oh, I'll just pay that next month. And oops, next month failed, or the engine blew up or the things that always happen. So I think really the quicker that people can pay attention and know what their expenses are and know what their taxes are and and put themselves on payment, whatever it is. I promise they're going to find you just so you know, (laughs) you ain't escaping them for long. But I think as something people need to pay attention to is definitely your finances. And then it makes it clear because we're also shiny object people, right? Like realtors, it's especially it's slower now. And it's like, Oh, this person said that they can sell me leads. This person said I could set up this website. This person said this postcard program works really well. I have no plan in place really. So I'm going to do that. And it's like, well, that didn't work. Well, you did it twice, right? No matter what it is. So I feel like we're going to get into that next, but Being clear on that does not fit into the budget. It's very easy to say no and be clear with a plan, right? Your finances, which kind of also leads me into copying success. Sure. What would you tell realtors about copying success?
1: It's an interesting industry that we're in. Being a a sports fan, one of the metaphors I use is like blocking and tackling in football is so important. That offensive line that blocks for the quarterback and the running back really leads to the success Right. If you're not blocking, the running back's not going to get through or the quarterback's not going to have the time to pass the ball. So right. So the basics, like back to the basics is that's the foundation for, I think, anybody's business. Like Agreed. Focusing on the basics and some of the things we talked about is communication and knowing the market and follow through and responsiveness. Look, there's a lot more than that. And you sometimes think, like, that's too basic, right? But you've got to follow up with people. You've got to communicate. You've got to know the market. You've got to know the contracts. You've got to know all these things. And going through the basics of a business of helping somebody through a sale. But also after a sale, of how you get once again tried to beat a dead horse, repeat referral business is so seemingly simple. Calling your clients after the fact, it's simple, but it's not necessarily easy. Right. Right. It's tough sometimes to like look at your list of like, all oh, right, it's Thursday in the spring and it's 78 degrees outside (laughs) and I'm looking at all these people that are out kind of having fun and running around and I've gotta make calls to my past clients and I'm an introvert, that's hard to do. Well, even
0: for the extroverts, because it's not immediate return. Sure. Especially with calls, you think if I could pick up the phone and say, Hey, Jonathan, it's Marjorie. Just wanted to check in with you today and see how things are going. And you were like, Oh, um, by the way, we're moving. Can you come over? Sure. And then I call Steve and Steve says, Oh, my best friend, Fred's going to call you today. I'd make calls all day long, but because I'm making calls and it can be many, many calls and I can do them forever. And then they pay off next year.
1: I'm not seeing the value. So
0: we are big, like if it's an instant return, value
1: return. And that's right. how we are built now, right? Oh, yeah. With phones and with everything, oh. now, you expect the immediate return. And look, whoever coined the term farming for real estate, right? That's a genius term. It that's is. Because this is what it is. You're just laying the seeds for the future. And you don't stick a seed in the ground and expect a corn stalk to pop up the next day. Well,
0: I and do, just, but it just
1: doesn't work. It that just way. doesn't work that way. And if anybody could invent that, then they would you know, be retired in a couple of years, but you're right.
0: Well, again, consistency. So back to the basics, execute on the basics, have a plan for the basics consistently because the problem too is I did birthday cards for a month. Nothing happened. Oh, good. Well, your birthday card is to spend a relationship more than generate referral actually. So you're going to send birthday cards for years and they're going to say, wow. It's like they actually every year send me a birthday card. That's not a magic pill. So I think that we keep thinking the basics can work. It's got to be the new sexy website. It's got to be this yeah. shiny
1: object. Right. My new TikTok. Yes. Nothing that's wrong with that, but I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, all the numbers, but I do know one number is the average American adult receives seven personal pieces through the mail every year. Seven. Yeah. How many texts or emails do you get in a day? Hundreds. Hundreds, right? So you talk about like being able to stand out from the crowd and differentiate, like I go back to the birthday cards, what an opportunity, right? Even if you just write a seven sentence note and sign your name and send it to them, right? And you're all of a sudden getting 30 seconds they're opening the card, they're reading it. And if they take it and throw away, that's okay. That is an amazing investment I agree. to do, to get 30 seconds of just kind of like direct time with your client. Cause they will remember that if something only happens to you seven times in a year, yeah, pretty good chance. You're going to remember it.
0: Who sends you a birthday card? First of all, probably almost no one anymore. If you're fortunate enough and sadly don't to have your grandparents, you can almost count on that. Yeah. And if you have your parents again fortunate enough to have your parents you may or probably get a card from them and then maybe an aunt and uncle but think about it like best friends. So now what it is, is Facebook and Facebook, people are like 180 people it. said, Hey, on Facebook, great. But three people sent you a card. Yeah. So I think it's just whether it's an anniversary, a home anniversary, a birthday, or congratulations on the birth of your child, or you got a promotion. I just think it's, I took the time to do it. And look, let's talk about how sustainable it is. <laughs> I have totes of them. So we're moving offices and I'm a keeper of especially things like that. Stuff. And they're making me get rid of cards and it's hard for me. And this is cards from 15 years ago from frankly some people that I may not even yeah. totally remember but that was important to me. So I'm not saying all your clients are going to keep 15 years of records but I'm saying there is a value to that. And by the way don't stick a business card in I will right. say just cuz then you just turned your, I'm thinking of you to here I am again as a realtor I, but
1: I make money.
0: Yeah exactly I'd like to make money off your birthday. So don't do that. But I'm just saying the basics executing consistently is that simple. So a great friend of mine Robin Lasser who is an executive vice president of Summit I just interviewed her. She's fantastic. She's like, what would your business look like if you just called five people a day purposefully? She said, no one will do it, but I will tell you the only couple people out of hundreds that I tell three months later will say, you have no idea in three months from five people a day, what my business looks like. People say it's too simple. So we could spend nine years on this, but I also think success breeds success, which means I'm a huge believer in time in the office. Sure. What do you think about that?
1: Well, look, we're almost three years now where we've been thrown this COVID curveball. And in mid-March of 2020, everybody just reverted back to their houses. And for me, I went into my basement for three months and worked out of my basement for three months. And we went to the world of Zoom calls and things like that. And look, I know that most people probably agree with us and they've heard the Zoom fatigue and all those cliches that we've heard, but there's no substitute for that Water cooler talk or rubbing shoulders in the hallway, even with your fellow realtors. For me, it's a lot of it is seeing agents, and I'm not selling anymore. So I'm not in the trenches and I'm not in the open houses and I'm not showing clients. So having conversations with you and with other agents of like, these firsthand stories so I can kind of soak those in through osmosis and I get those from all over the country from our agents and you can start to kind of form ideas and opinions and philosophies on things. But for an agent in a marketplace to get the feel of, hey, even if last week you showed 20 houses to six different clients... If you have conversations with ten other agents around the water cooler or rubbing shoulders or passing in the hallway, like getting their pulse of what's happening in the market, you get that broader perspective Agreed. of what's happening. And it's because we all know that as realtors, no matter how successful we are, we've gone a week or a month or a quarter and we're just slow as can be, right? And so it's very easy to say, "I am so slow," and so the market is dead. Not the case because it's one example.
0: Oh, no, I can tell you, I can come in and five people come in and how's your business? What are you seeing in terms of showings? Oh, I wrote five contracts last week and I'm like, what? Or vice versa. Everyone's dead. And so again, they'll fall into that trap either because we all, no matter how consistent I am, there is cycles. Like last year, a lot of people decided not to move because they couldn't buy. So even though they would have, so there's going to be changes. There's going to be market fluctuations within your own business as well as the economy, but it's also, Hey, how many offers did you get? I've got this sure. listing at 500. You have a bunch of listings. My showings are way down. So are mine. What are you doing? Oh, you trying this, or this is what you're counseling your clients on. That's really good to know because it's a broader perspective. So to me, it's also, Hey, let me ask you a question sure. about this, or I know you've done this and does this work for you, but even just how are you and what's happening and just community, right? Yeah. So to me, like I'll always have an office Our team members all have offices. Again, I'm not downing the people that don't, but I think if you don't have an office. If you don't at least stop in the office or go try to work from a conference room in the office, or look, if there's five or six of us that are in text groups that are always checking in, are you seeing this that maybe you have coffee with some people from the office? I just think that community of fellow people doing what you do and not as much commiseration. Like I'm not looking for six people to say the world sucks and the market sucks because I'm not going to be there very long. But if I'm struggling with this, how can I help you with it? Or what are you telling your clients? What are you seeing in this? What did you put in that offer that you won over the five other offers?
1: I would also piggyback off that and say the value of a story, of a real story, an example in the marketplace, you can't put a value on it. And even if it's not your story, right? So if you're at the copy machine and you talk to another agent in our office and they say, let me tell you about what happened with this offer in Belmont, right? I got nine offers and blah, blah, blah. And they go and tell you, well, three days later, if you're showing a house in Belmont, you can say, let me tell you about the story about my colleague. Picking up all that information is just building, and we could have a whole episode on trust. But like yes. that's what you want to do is like build the trust and being able to have those conversations with clients and going into a house. And one of the questions I always, ask, if somebody likes a house and they'll ask you, How do you think this is priced? What do you think the value? How many offers do you think there's going to be on it? Do you think this is a good house? And even if you weren't part of that other deal that had seven offers last week, you can say, Well, let me tell you about the house uh, six houses down the street and so those are the type of things like i said it's just so invaluable to be able to have those stories because it just builds your knowledge base and it builds your ability to communicate with people and you talk about also like calling people and calling your clients and being able to have a conversation the other thing is if you know that house got six offers and you had another client who bought a month ago you can call them up and say hey how's it going how's your house fyi 123 Main Street, did you hear about it? It got six offers. You're also building trust that was I kind of hate this word, but that content that you have, but there are a million ways to use that content to build trust and to build your business.
0: Well, even if, okay, so let's say I'm t- I'm going to add open houses back in for 2023. Sure. So Bob doing open houses on Sundays, what are you seeing? What's your right. traffic like? Are you picking up clients from that? What is it that the value to your sellers or your feeling? Okay. That makes sense. I yeah. should add that back in, or I've been doing these for three years. I don't really feel like they're working. Okay. These people aren't seeing the return or this is their issue with it yeah. as well. Okay. I can make an informed decision, just not based on my emotion. So, I mean yeah. again, I think the key is as we wrap up is I think vision and everything super important. I loved hearing yours cuz to me yours was always just so massive in your planning but really attainable goals top three goals for a year, not over setting your goals, and also just being clear on getting back to the basics, as well as communication with your clients. Those things I think are really the most important things. And you're really good at that we all need to be working on in 2023. So absolutely, I want to thank you so much for joining me on Real Estate Unscripted, Jonathan, my JK, as I call him, but we really appreciate it. And I will be interviewing again because I think we have
1: a lot more to talk about. Let's do it. Dive deeper.
0: Yes. Thanks, thanks
1: Jonathan. Real Estate Unscripted is sponsored by Alcova Mortgage. Alcova is committed to simplifying the mortgage process. Check out the tools we offer to realtors and homebuyers at alcova.com realtors. Alcova Mortgage, equal housing lender. NMLS ID number 40508, nmlsconsumeraccess.org.
0: Before we go, please show us some love by subscribing on your listening platform of choice and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you share this with your friends and be sure to listen in next week. Until then, this is Marjorie Adam. Don't forget to check out the show notes for a recap. This podcast was made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support.